This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Good morning, campers. Alan Jerry. Don't worry, it's only an hour long, and most days it doesn't suck. Oh, what's up? Good morning, 502. It's definitely not going to suck today because there is a lot to get to, certainly to discuss off a outstanding, dramatic, brilliant, exciting, whatever adjective you want to throw in there, Mets win late last night slash early this morning out in Arizona. You got CeeLo and Fliegelman again on the warm-up show today here on a Thursday. Did I say Wednesday already, by the way? Did I just call it Wednesday I before I said Thursday? I feel like I thought it was Wednesday for a second, know, but Rascona? it's not very good. Rascona's I heard Thursday. Here. I heard Thursday. Yeah, you everyone heard Thursday? Okay, good. So Pretty I did sure. not make an early error right out of the gate. Uh, I can, Honestly, I don't know what day it is. I don't know what time it is. Uh, all I know is I somehow was awake for all of that last night before doing a little SNY Zoom from my living room slash family room at about uh, one fifteen this morning. So, uh I got a lot of energy, though, Fleegs, and how could you not after watching that Met comeback in the ninth inning? Well, listen, CeeLo, it's a good thing you're not one of these people that scripts out what they're going to say when they're on air because you would have had the whole thing planned out for eight and two-thirds innings of Met offensive futility, and then it turns just at the blink of an eye. So I was not awake for the whole thing. I I mean, who could blame you? Yeah. I woke up at 1 o'clock to watch the game on DVR, so by the time I caught up to the end of it, now because the Mets are doing nothing offensively, Normally it takes like an hour, 15, hour and a half to get through the whole game. I caught up to the top of the ninth inning by like 145, 150. All right, so you weren't that far behind. No, but I was, you know, having to make sure I didn't scream to wake up my wife. I didn't want that to happen. Like I was, you know, silently fist pumping and, you know, cheering. Let's let's go. Like, I mean, that was, how can can you not? And even, I even listened to Evan Roberts and Pete Hoffman did the immediate Rico Rico instant reaction and, I later went back, saw Evan had this on Twitter. I had the same first thought as a Mets fan. All this does is set up a painful loss in the ninth inning. They were going to walk it off. You didn't, you didn't get the feeling the Mets were going to score again. <laughs> oh, it was a miracle okay. that they got the well, first that run. Robertson was going to blow the save. Well, not, or just none of that. They'll play the 10th inning. They somehow won't score with the ghost runner. And then they'll lose 2-1-10, to one and 10, whatever it was. Again, it <laughs> felt like a miracle the Mets got that first run with Alvarez. Then the Beatty hit and Mark Canna delivering that big hit. And all yeah. of a sudden... It's weird because as much as I felt that at 1-1, when they went up 2-1, I had no fears that Robertson was going to blow the game. It just it felt like at that point, they're going to do this, they're going to win. And then not only did you get all of that, but then in the bottom half, the ball off Robertson, that goes right to Alonzo. I mean, look, had it gotten by Robertson, I don't know. I'd have to check and see what their alignment was. Like, I don't know if it would have been a hit or an out anyway, but it just goes to show, I mean, all the, as bad as things were going... 
Some of it, most of it self-inflicted, obviously, but they just seemed like they couldn't get a break or get anything going as it's not even a, we're not even a week removed yet. Tomorrow we will be from Robertson blowing that Friday game against the Giants where I mean, he just looked dejected afterwards. And here we are. And they've, I'm not going to say completely turned things around, but certainly at least given us a reason to start thinking like maybe there's some hope here. No, they're showing you the signs of life that you needed to see because they weren't going to turn it around in a couple of days. It yeah. was going to be a long road to that. But this is the first step or the first two steps you needed to see towards that. And Gary Cohen even said it when the ball hit off Robertson and went right to, uh, to Pete Alonzo. The Mets' uh, fortunes are starting to turn. Now they're starting to get a couple of those breaks. You're right. A lot of what happened to them was self-inflicted. But it feels like you know when you're getting eight or nine things wrong, the tenth always just happens to you. I can't think of how many times this year, but it might be more than one handful. Just, uh, line drive off Justin Verlander. That's just one pitcher, and the ball ends up in no man's land. Or you know, a Met hits a ball off of somebody off the pitcher's glove. It goes right to the shortstop. They get a force out at second, something like that. Things have not been going the Mets' way. So you play a little bit better baseball. Alvarez gets the big hit. Canna gets the next big hit after eight brilliant innings from Kodai Senga. And then when the Mets need a little bit of a break to go their way in the bottom of the ninth, it happens. And just those three at-bats. I mean, look, Alvarez, he had the the issue with the umpire with the call. He was obviously uh, outwardly emotional and emphatic about it. And he hung in there, a couple foul balls, and then he goes opposite field. Then all of a sudden you got Beatty working a tough at-bat against the lefty and finds a way to get a ball through. And then Canna, I love the opposite field. And I always I always say that. We talked about it yesterday with uh, Harrison Bader's double down the line. You had Volpe go opposite field for the Yankees last night. When you see these, I mean, Canna's not a young guy, but when you see young hitters showing sort of that patience and that confidence and that maturity in the box late in the game in a big spot and being able to stay on a ball and take it the opposite field. I mean, that that kind of stuff really gets you going. Everyone loves the pulled, jacked home run that goes 450 feet on a hanger, but when you hit a hitter's pitch the opposite field and you win a tight game, it just seems like it adds a little, a little extra juice to it. Yeah, it's a positive sign to see from any hitter. And I don't know about you, but again, it's only a four-game win streak. There's still six games under 500. A long way to go, yeah. But it felt like that team, that win counted for more than just one for that team and that clubhouse. The way they celebrated with what they went through, you know, they win the game on the 4th of July. They have a little win streak going, but then the bats go completely silent as if almost they didn't show up for the game for the first eight and two thirds inning. Chafin gets the first (laughs) two outs on four pitches, and then he has two strikes on Alvarez. It felt like this game was over. And I'm thinking, how am I going to kill the next hour and a half before I have to leave for work? I'm up in the middle of the night. And it felt like for that team, just watching them celebrate, watching Canna go nuts and what he's mouthing back to the dugout when he's on third base after the triple, that felt like a big load off of their back. And Alvarez was, like, possessed. This kid has some incredible celebrations. Yeah, well, look, I mean— He's running backwards. He was, yeah, running backwards, you know, flexing. And and what I like there is I don't mind it, young player, especially it's towards his teammate in his dugouts, you know, his dugout. Right, he's He's not not, showing up anybody else. Right, exactly. So, look, I'm sure that some of the Diamondback players might feel a little differently, but, you know, what are you going to do? You can't take that away from him in that spot. And uh, this—I forget where— who had this, but just to show, look, he's been impactful. We know that if you just look at the numbers on the surface. Nine of his 15 homers in the sixth inning or later. Seven of them have tied the game or given the Mets a lead. And three others he hit when the Mets were clinging to a one-run lead. So that's what? Uh, 
That's, you know, the majority of the home runs. I mean, the impact of them, not the, hey, I hit a solo homer when we were up or down five or six, you know, in the fourth inning or whatever, something along those lines. So, I mean, look, is he a finished product? No. Obviously, there's a ways to go, but... When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The, the age, the responsibility on both sides of the ball, veteran pitching staff. You've had some guys in and out. Obviously, they've had some struggles and ineffectiveness, and it seems like he's been able to handle it all and is almost kind of becoming like uh, the heartbeat of the team a little bit. Yeah, I mean, this was the 21-year-old rookie that gave them that moment in early July, and he's had a couple of them this season. Obviously, he had the tying home run against Tampa Bay that started their winning streak back You know, now a month and a half ago. He's had those moments. You had that uh, stat with the home runs and kind of how clutch they've been. By the way, send that to Evan because he said on the Rico that he's going to go through and track all the home runs from Alvarez oh, and figure out the situation. Yeah. yeah, so send it to that for him <laughs> so he can save like 20 minutes. But Sarah Lang's had this one. He now has five game-tying or go-ahead home runs in the sixth inning or later, most in baseball. And he's a 21-year-old rookie catcher. It's remarkable. And like you were saying, defensively is maybe where he's been even more impressive because we were told he was going to be this at the plate, this power-hitting catcher. Defensively, you know, he's complaining about the umpire and the called second strike, and he mentioned it in his post-game after the game. Like the home run was kind of to tell him that wasn't a strike. (laughs) His pitch framing is off the charts, too. He stole a strike. I think it was a 2-0 pitch early in the game. And it's a low pitch. He brings it back up. It's a called strike. And they show the shot of uh, Lavulo in the Diamondbacks dugout, like, rolling his eyes. Like, come on. Like, that's that's multiple inches low. Uh, this kid has just been everything you could want. And for a Mets fan base that is really not used to rookies showing up like this, obviously you have Pete Alonso and the rookie record for home runs four years ago. But on the whole, Mets fans think top prospects, and they think guys who disappointed. Alvarez, at 21 years old, I mean, this looks like it's only the beginning for him. You know, what happens when he figures more out and he's not hitting all this power with a 220 average because he can go the other way. He is great behind the plate. He is great with a veteran pitching staff. Kodai Senga still adjusting to Major League Baseball gives you his best start of the season. Eight brilliant innings makes one mistake. That's with Francisco Alvarez behind the plate. Yeah, I even said, you know, we hours of this morning on SNY, and the question was posed, what's the bigger takeaway, the Alvarez home run or Sang? I mean, look, the Alvarez home run obviously changes the course of the game. So in a... Uh, you know, in a, in a, in a, what's the word I'm looking for? In a vacuum. There we go. That was it. I was thinking silo for a second. I don't think that would have worked. In a vacuum, obviously, that's a huge part of this individual win. But when I look at the way Sanga pitched, I mean, I feel like long term, rest of the season, that's a big sign. Like, I get it. He pitched on two extra days of rest again. They're going into the all star break. So he's going to have some extra time off. But I just, there seemed to be like more of a, a confidence and a, like a demonstrative nature about him last night, not just in the look and you breeds in success. So when you go eight innings and give up just one home run on a hanger and you strike out 12, obviously you're going to feel good about yourself, but pumping it, he added up to 99 on the radar gun in the, in the eighth after the, or in the top of the ninth, when Alvarez hits the home run, he's one of the most demonstrative guys celebrating the dugout. He's banging on the, on the, uh, the dugout railing there. So I just thought that that was, 
I don't want to say like his arrival or coming out moment, but I think that there's like a lot to take away there as you move forward. And look, maybe they're going to have to find a way to sort of manipulate the rotation to give him that extra time. He seems more comfortable that way. I know Buck also made the point, hey, he's pitching indoors last night, maybe a little bit of comfort level there because that's what he did in Japan. But I mean, if the team is going to make a turnaround, we knew that the pitching overall was going to have to be better. Scherzer, for the most part, outside of the Braves, the start against the Braves and the start against the Yankees has been pretty solid. Yeah, he gave up the three solo homers the other night. Uh, I feel like Verlander is coming along a little bit. If Sanga can turn into a guy that they can really rely upon, the numbers, we talked about it yesterday, the numbers have been fine, but you didn't really have like that over-the-top performance. And you get the depth in this one, too. And if you can get those three guys going, you have something there. And he had, like, one great start before this, but it was different because that started against the Phillies. Remember, Nimmo has to rob the home run in that. Right. There were times where uh, where Senga was in more trouble than he was on Wednesday night. He had maybe that one first inning where he's given up soft hits, you know, not, not nothing any uh, really that hard, a bloop there, and he gets out of trouble. And then from that moment, he looked as locked in, and you mentioned confident, as we've seen him. It wasn't his arrival moment, but it was a big step forward. Senga, for all intents and purposes, is a rookie. And how we talk about for Alvarez, for Anthony Volpe with the Yankees, there are kind of these benchmark moments where, you know, you clear the next checkpoint and then you move on. That is what I think last night was for Kodai Senga. This big confidence. He was able to last eight innings in a Major League Baseball game. Yeah, he had the extra rest and he was indoors, but this is still against a very potent lineup that scores a lot of runs. The, uh, the only team in baseball that hasn't been shut out this year, and they end up, of course, not getting shut out, but for almost seven innings, he is shutting them out. This is a team that's in first place in a really good division, and he goes in and he dominates them like that. That's just a big step forward for him. Hopefully, they can maybe manipulate the rotation with the extra rest, or you know, as he starts to pitch on regular rest, maybe you know once a month and once every two weeks, he'll adjust. He'll have to get there at some point, but he's taking those progressive steps that you want to see from a guy in his first year in the big leagues. He is not going backwards. He's taking leaps forward. And by the way, you remember on the morning show, I don't know if it was yesterday, it might have been two days ago, with Sal and Jerry, we were joking about how the Mets don't have anybody in the top 50 in ERA. Right. Well, that's what we're looking but at But Senga was only three yeah. innings short, so yeah. once now that he skyrocketed with eight innings yesterday, where do you want to guess he ranks now between one and 50 now that he has cleared the innings benchmark? I would say top 25. You're right, 21. Yeah. And he's got to be, what is he now, at like 3-3? Three, 3-3-1 three, 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 ERA yeah. in 89 and two-thirds innings. That's yeah. that's not bad for a guy pitching his first season. If, again, if, if Kodai Senga was doing that and Scherzer and Verlander were what the Mets thought they would be and Jose Quintana was pitching, yeah. and now this is their hope for the second half, then that's a team that could start to look a whole lot more like last year's at 101 games. Sanga gives you a season-high 107 pitches. Buck even, and I don't know how serious he was, it's easy to say after they, they get the win and everyone's feeling great, but he's like, oh, I kind of flirted with maybe I want to send him back out there for the ninth, which I don't think any of us expected once they got the lead that that was going to happen. Though Robertson did pitch the night before, and we talked about on yesterday's show, they sort of had that hairy situation, him getting out of the bases loaded jam. So like That's the other aspect of this is not just the winning streak, but... You know, I think that last week when things really kind of hit the fan, mistakes in the field, mistakes on the base paths, they just looked they looked dead and buried. And I think a lot of us felt like, okay, it's over. And some teams do basically just pack it in, and they don't really have that extra gear. 
So not just the way they're winning the games, but they've had a couple instances where it looked like, hey, it could have gone south with the bullpen again, certainly in the opener of this series on July 4th. And now all of a sudden a game where, like you said, the offense is doing nothing, and instead of just going meekly there in the ninth inning, it was close. Like you said, first two guys on whatever, four or five pitches, and that's where it's hard to – it's really hard to overstate how significant the Alvarez at bat was, at least right now. I mean, look, if they go out and lose the next three games, who cares? But um, when you've got your 21-year-old rookie in there and he puts that type of at bat forward, you could see the trickle-down effect it had on the rest of the guys. And I think if it was, I think if it was like if McNeil was the guy that happened to hit the home run, I don't know that it would have had the same effect and impact on the life and the energy of the rest of the team, not just in that inning, but in the bottom of the ninth as well. Listen, they they needed a moment to quote a, a good pal of ours, and they got it. And <laughs> with Alvarez being the guy that hits the home run, and then Beatty, another rookie with the hit right after that sets up Canna's go-ahead, ultimately winning triple. I don't think it's a coincidence that this team of veterans, and the veterans are the guys who, by and large, are disappointing or not giving you the seasons that you expect, even in the game yesterday. Nimmo, Lindor, Alonzo, McNeil combined for 0, 6, 0 for 16 with a walk that Nimmo gets in the ninth inning. That's atrocious. And the McNeil, Lindor, and Alonzo at bats were just disgusting. They're going up there. Pete's swinging out of his shoes. They have no idea what's going on at the plate. For a team of veterans that are struggling and are maybe used to being more successful, it's a nice shot in the arm that the two kids remind them in the top of the ninth inning, hey, this team has a load of talent. We're capable. You know, Maybe burn some of that stress away. We're going to give you a win, and then the rest of you can hopefully take off and get things going here. You mentioned their quartet going 0 for 16, having a rough night. Same story for the Yankees, for their guys going 0 for 15, but they, of course, don't get the win because the bullpen had a rare off night for the Yankees, so we'll dive into them a little bit uh, on the other side of the break when we come back. Also, a scary moment in the Bronx last night that had, I could not believe the trickle-down effect uh, and how this how how widespread this became with this uh, cameraman that got hit with the wild throw. Uh, there's a Mets tie to it. Seems like everybody in baseball knows this guy, which is kind of a cool story, especially since it seems like he's going to be okay. So all of that ahead here as we just get it started on a Thursday morning, off and running with the warm-up show. Of course, you'll have Jerry and Sal coming up at the top of the hour in for Boomer and Geo, and we're coming right back here on The Fan.